It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. The Wash of Owasso is excited to welcome you to their new and state-of-the-art full-service laundromat. Conveniently located at 809 West Main Street in historic West Town, Owasso. They're open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for the coin laundry, or you can drop off your laundry for wash and fold service Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 p.m. Too busy to stop in? No problem, as the Wash of Owasso will pick up your laundry right at your door and will deliver it back to you the next day. Go online to thewashofowasso.com. That's the Wash of Owasso. To view pricing or call 989-472-3322 and schedule your pickup as a special three-point podcast bonus. Enter code 3PP, that's the number three and two Ps, at checkout for 10% off your first order. The three-point podcast team welcomes the wash of Owasso to our team. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hello, everybody. It's time for episode 211 of the three-point podcast. Our partners include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Memorial Healthcare, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and The Wash of Owasso. Well, we have a good show for you tonight. We're going to be talking with author Eric Woodyard. Uh, he has a brand new book, All In, about the life, journey, and ups and downs of Flint's Kelvin Torbert. We'll catch up, including a, a cool spring break uh, story I'm going to share. Straight from Hollywood, as they say, and one shining moment for Kansas. We might mix in a few other topics as well, and uh, we'll get it going right after this. Looking to buy items online? Go to CRAuctions.com. All you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today. CRAuctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy something, we can help with that too. Just go to CRAuctions.com. Search our inventory and place your bid. Plus, there are online auctions for farm machinery, firearms, automobiles, and truckloads of overstocked items. It's fast, it's easy, and you will get results. Get the app and check out CRAuctions.com today. So, yeah, you mentioned in your uh, open there, and we've been talking about it, um, you know, the last couple weeks. And if you follow us on social media at Three Point Pod, you've seen some pictures of Ted out West and you've got that fancy little hat that LA had on there that you must've picked up out in Hollywood. So I, I think Jared and I don't have a whole lot to catch up on. We've just been doing our working, living, living our normal life. You got to let us know how the, how the trip out West was. Well, I'll, I'll condense it mainly to a story involving Jimmy Kimmel. It seems to have some interest with some of our followers, but the trip went outstanding started in Northern California. You want to jump in Jared? Yeah. I'm 
can can you just tell the Jimmy Kimmel story? You because you have painted this Jimmy Kimmel story to be like the Shawshank Redemption in terms of like <laughs> stories. You felt the need to text us right as it happened that you were going to want to talk about it. You have since brought it up like three different times. You tweeted it like five different times. This story better blow me away. So I think you just got to come right out and tell it. Okay, I'll I'll do just that, and then you can tell me at the end if it was worth the text you got. I hope I didn't wake you up from a nap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just go ahead. Just go well, ahead. You're going to appreciate this. Believe me. Let's see if I can tell the story where everybody else will appreciate it as well. So uh, we go to we go to L.A., and we're going to go to Hollywood. Okay? It's uh, Thursday last week. And we park not far from the Jimmy Kimmel Studios, ironically enough. So we go to Hollywood Boulevard, and we're walking up towards where his studio is. And there's a line of people, not a real long line, but a line of people. And there's a, like a placard sign up, up front says fan appreciation day, nine to 11, get your picture with Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. That was the, that was a suck it in. I said to my sister, Jenny, I said, well, this seems a little weird. You know, we're a day before April fools. Uh, what's going on here? So we, we had a confab with the whole family, the six of us. And I could tell Jenny wanted to, wanted to do it. And I definitely wanted to do it. Why not? You know, I've seen the other yeah. stuff in Hollywood anyway. And the line wasn't that long. So we get in the back of the line and ask the producer, hey, what's going on? What do we got to do? And we had to fill out a bunch of paperwork, including an NDA. That's a non-disclosure agreement. Just saying we wouldn't share any pictures or any social media posts of whatever happened. Okay. that's That seems like standard so, in business. So, so we're waiting. You do that, right? You tweet about it immediately. What, say that again. You didn't follow your non-disclosure agreement, right? No, no, I did. I did. Because you got to hear the whole story. You never okay. watched the video, I take it, right? That I that was no. so I'm, oh, I said I did not watch it. Okay. Is it I, worth I it? scrubbed I scrubbed through it to see if you showed see. up. But okay. Kind of... but, you, but you Matt, you know the concept. So here we go. Yeah. So we're in line. And uh most of the people that were in front of us, they told me that they had already had VIP invites. I thought, well, we're not gonna get on. Next thing I know, a, cam they, a producer comes out with a camera, a cameraman, and comes right in front of Jenny and I and says, hey, can we ask you a few questions? I said, sure, sure. Where are you from? I'm uh, Michigan. You from Detroit? No, mid-Michigan between Lansing and, and uh, Flint. Okay, cool. And do you like Jimmy Kimmel? What's your favorite bit about Jimmy Kimmel? And I said, yeah, I love Jimmy Kimmel. He's my favorite of all the late night hosts. And, you know, I'm trying to sell myself because here's a camera. Here's a microphone in front of my feet, in front of my face. And they, and they said, what, what brings you out here? And I said, well, I'm out here with my 91-year-old uh, dad out to visit his 97-year-old mother. And my sister slaps me across the shoulder, said, it's his sister. You know, and they started laughing. Ha <laughs> ha. And then, so anyway, they go back. Uh, we had to take a COVID test before we could go in. We had to take an instant COVID test. They brought us up to get that. We come back in line, and like five minutes later, they bring us to the front door. We thought we're getting in. We're gonna we're gonna actually get our picture with Jimmy Kimmel. So we go in. There was a producer lady giving us a little tour first inside the studio before we go into the main studio. And uh, it's getting me kind of geeked up just talking about it. Oh my! <laughs> my sister's really she's about ready to pee her pants. So we're about, you got to walk down like three steps and there's these two doors that just open open apart. They open up the door and here is Jimmy Kimmel's desk, his couch, and Jimmy Kimmel standing right there. 
So I walk in with my sister and I, you know, oh, the girl had told me, don't be nervous. Some people clam up. Don't be nervous. I said, okay. So I walk in, I go, Jimmy, how you doing? You know, and just hammed it up a little bit. Then he says, hey, good to meet you. Oh, I see you're from Michigan. Shook my hand. He says, you two come over here, sit on the couch. I want to talk to you. We'll get a couple pictures. So there's a photographer. Just picture we're sitting on the couch and the photographer's right in front of me to the right. And he keeps, he says, okay, look over here. And he's snapping, snapping, snapping. He says, okay, now slide up on the couch a little bit. So we slide up on the couch and, you know, we're looking at the photographer, smiling, hamming it up. And next thing I know, I hear Jimmy behind us puts a camera in front of us, puts his iPhone in front of us. He says, hey, I want to get a selfie. Okay. So he can see in the, in the picture, Jenny and myself, but you don't see him yet. You see kind of a blur. Next thing you know, we're, you know, we're posing. I look up at the, at the phone again. And it's Jimmy Fallon. And I, I did, I did a triple take. I go, what? And I jumped up and then I go, Jimmy shook Jimmy Fallon's hand. I go, Jimmy shook Jimmy Kimmel's hand. And they're laughing their ass off. I'm so confused. Okay. You walk in, Jimmy Kimmel is sitting there. The actual Jimmy Kimmel, right? He's standing there. Yes. yes. Okay. So the, so basically what they did was Jimmy said, Hey, can I take a picture with you? Uh, and Fallon was, uh, the one holding the camera and took the picture essentially. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Got Cause it. that was their whole, their whole April fool's bit was what Jimmy Fallon hosted Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel hosted Jimmy Fallon on April fool's day. So that was their whole bit. So it was pretty clever and it, yeah, it, is. it lit up the social media world. I know I'm surprised you didn't make the cut though for the show. Cause I don't know. That sounds pretty entertaining. You know, it sounds like you sold it and. So I wonder I, why you got left on the 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 floor there. The cutting. Yeah, the yeah. Maybe it was stupid. Who knows? You know. I yeah. mean, there was there was other people. The people that they picked, they only picked what four or five, I think. Yeah. That that stupid chick with the blonde hair and the violin. She was right in front of us in the line. She wow. was like an airhead. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You, Watch you, the video. You, you you are angry that they they saw your reaction and said this is never going to see the light of day on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, when we walked off too, I'm sure one of the producers, cause they sent us through four or five different handlers and we went out the back door of the stage and the guy out there, he wanted to make sure that we were going to keep it quiet. I said, Hey, I mean, we're out here with my family. Can I at least tell them? No, you can't tell them if you can, you got to keep a secret. This is top secret. So Jenny and I are walking in the alley, going back to meet up with our crew. And uh, I said, Jenny, I said, you got to keep this quiet. You got to keep a lid on it. And so we finally decided they knew we were in line to get a picture with Jimmy Kimmel. So when we met up with the family, we told them, man, it was so cool. We did get our picture with Jimmy Kimmel. And they said, we'll get our pictures within a couple of weeks. And that's, we told them that, but we didn't say anything about the bit. So you could leave it at that. They, yeah, so yeah. have you gotten pictures? Or? No, they did say it was going to take a couple of weeks. Now, oh, okay. I'll be a little disturbed if they don't send them because it would be yeah. classic to have Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, you got to get those like, photos. That's your profile picture, man. Absolutely. Right. I mean, nowadays, too, like, especially if they were using an iPhone, they can just email you the photos. Right. But well, that's it, what they're supposed cool to do. Story. And they did, they did get our email information on the forms we filled out. So I'm expecting they'll come through. And, and Matt, I know uh, Kimmel's part of the ABC properties. I will say this. A lot of younger guys, like Jared's age, uh, guys and gals, work for the for the the staff. Very cool, very very cool. Uh, I think he's got a young writing staff. 
you know, I started seeing the writing on the wall. You know, I'm obviously on my way out here as our podcast moves forward. You know, there's there's going to be an end down the road. And it kind of made me start feeling, you know, I can see why the uh, the elders pass it on to the younger folks because they got new ideas. They got new energy. And it's just part of tr- passing on the torch, right? Yeah, I remember, I think it was Letterman, Letterman towards the end of his career. I remember watching a clip of him saying that, mm-hmm. that he had like an awakening basically like towards the end of his career. Like obviously you have your few go-to writers that those guys have around them all the time. But like you said, they kind of, he got to the point where he was like, we got to get some younger people in here if we even want to, you know, attract different uh, viewers or, you know, a different audience. So that is cool though. I mean, it, 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 I, I've been to, uh, I've never been on anything in New York, but out in LA, uh, I went to Craig Ferguson. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember him. He was like oh, yeah. late, late night or something. I think he was after Conan for a little while, maybe, but I went to a Craig Ferguson show. Those talk shows are kind of cool to go to. I always wanted to go to Fallon though. I, when I lived in Connecticut, I tried to get, his show was always like a lottery. I feel like they would have like day of like 10 tickets or you would have to join the lottery. And I tried to do that a number of times, never got on because those shows are fun to go to seeing the behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. You know, you get to interact with them a little bit. They talk to the crowd and stuff like that. So they usually have a warm up comic or something too. Yeah. Don't they? Yep. So, so what, so can you give us anything else from this trip? What would you say outside of that was probably most memorable? Well, you know, on a personal family note, I, we did get a chance to visit with my 97 year old aunt and my dad and her, you know, reconnected. I found out this is very strange. You know, the, the generation before mine, if you went out on the West Coast, you rarely made it back this way. You know, right. maybe for a funeral, maybe for a wedding. I asked her, this just intrigued me. I asked her, I said, hey, when's the first time you ever met my mother? And she said, and I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe in the 50s, maybe early 60s. She said, I, I met her first at your first wedding, <laughs> 1980. Wow. And they and they got married in 1954, but she was already settled in California, didn't come to the wedding, obviously. And I just, that kind of blew my mind. But it is. It, in those days, that's the way it was. So what was the interaction like between uh, my grandpa and his sister? Like, was it as if they had never stopped talking? Was it, did it take a while to kind of get comfortable? What was it like? No, it, it didn't take them t- much time to get comfortable. I think, you know, you know, the five siblings, you know, your uncles and aunts. We never let anybody get a word in edgewise. You know, we're sitting around their uh, kitchen table. My dad's sitting next to to his uh, sister and we're just peppering questions left and right, you know, about, uh, you know, her life and her mother and whole family stuff. I had a video. I just sat my phone in front of my coffee cup and just let it record video of her and my dad just talking, you know, somewhere down the line, we'll get an edit on it. But there was some cool stories there. It it was, it was great. I mean, my dad, (laughs) it's kind of a sad story. You know, he's 91 and we asked him after we said, dad, where do you want to go next? He said, heaven, (laughs) a little morbid. (laughs) That is pretty freaking morbid. I mean, right. Morbid, but like that, that's definitely a a once in a lifetime thing. I mean, Especially for him, he's probably kidding. Maybe not, but yeah, you know, to say that, like that—that's like something he probably wanted to see his sister one more time. You know, yep. get out and see the Rose Bowl. I know you guys went and did that Hollywood and some other stuff. Like, so you do start thinking about that stuff. You know, down the line, like what are these few things I want to do before you know my 
time comes up or whatever. One thing that did crack me up that I got to make fun of you guys for, and I know you were the ringleader behind this, Ted. Uh, so they went to a, like, this was their big meal. They went to a restaurant recommended by Michael Imperioli, who is an actor from The Sopranos, and I'm pretty yeah. sure just The Sopranos. Yep. And he's like, uh, not even the main actor in The Sopranos. Oh yeah, he was. And I was just thinking to myself, like, man, you went to LA, where there's literally a star uh, on, in every house who you definitely could look up their recommendations, but of all the people from LA, all the superstars, they went with Michael Imperioli's recommendation. And I just thought that was hilarious. He's like, well, he's just, just like an character. Just lay it on the table. It was actually not in LA. It was in Santa Barbara. And I, I listened to his podcast and he mentioned that they have the best authentic Mexican cuisine he's ever eaten. So why not? We were going oh. to Santa Barbara anyway. Let's take uh, let's take his recommendation. And if you take a poll by everybody, everybody was real happy with that uh, that meal. It was spectacular. I was going to say, was it good? It was really good. We also ate at an Armenian restaurant in uh, the nice. LA area that came recommended to us. That was outstanding as well. So I mean, we had a great time. I mean, you, you know, we're a sports oriented family, so we did see the Rose Bowl, the Coliseum, SoFi Stadium. Uh, all kinds of different things. I think really the coolest thing in LA, and if you ever get out there, and I don't know if you have Matt, uh, but go to Griffith Absorb Observatory up on the mountain there. You overlook Hollywood, all of LA. It's just a spectacular view. It that is. sounds magical. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool city because of that. It's so spread out. The yeah. mountains, obviously, the ocean, the beaches, and everything. You don't realize like how spread out LA is. It is. It's worth the trip. It is funny also, just real quick to get back to, to think about that, the generational thing, because now, I mean, flight people fly everywhere all the time. That's just flying places is as normal as, you know, hopping on your bike or whatever, like it was back in the day. To think about how it was back then, if you made it out west, it was kind of like, this is it. <laughs> You're there. I'm See not later. going back. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy to think about that. It has um, changed because now, you know, it's a less than four hour flight. It's really a piece of cake. It, right. the, the, I got to send a shout out to Delta Airlines. Excellent, uh, excellent treatment of my dad from walking into the airport in both Detroit and LAX, taking him all the way to his seat. Um, tremendous service. Nice. And, uh, you know, I also want to send a big shout out to him. Like I mentioned, 91 years old. He was a stud, man. He rolled with us the entire way. I'm still jet lagged and wore out, but he he never he never missed a beat. He he was every step of the way with us, and both flights out and back never got up once. Didn't have to use the John. We, that was a little concern because we we got seats close to the bathroom in case. But he he was great. It was it was awesome. I got just one more question on this trip. So SoFi Stadium. I'm surprised that. What was your take on that? I mean, it looks awesome. It looks, you know what, what you don't see on TV, it's in a pretty rough neighborhood, believe it or not. Now, I imagine down the road, it's going to it's gonna pick up the real estate there. It's a tough neighborhood. The stadium itself, from what we could see, was really cool. It's one of the few that we did not get in. You know, your, your dad did everything he could to get into the stadium, but there was gates all the way around it. It was... Uh, it was pretty cool looking the whole design and seeing it up close. It, it yeah. was awesome. Uh, you know, the highlight of getting to one of the stadiums was Dodger stadium. I talked our way. Oh, I yeah. talked John and me into it. Uh, the others didn't want to go up there. And I just talked to a girl that was there work. And I said, Hey, do you mind if we pop in here and take a couple quick pictures? Uh, it's as nice as I I've seen on TV, you know, and I think that was built in like early oh, yeah. 1960 oh. or 61, but it's yeah. impeccable. 
great view. Yeah, I wish uh, we've talked about this a lot, but I wish more baseball cities would do that. Keep the old stadium, mm-hmm. fix it up like you need to. I know we we like Comerica, but it's nothing like Tiger Stadium. No. So I hope LA continues that Dodger Absolutely. Stadium. There should yeah. never be there should never be another place the Dodgers play. Right. Amen, man. Amen. Any other questions before we move on to uh, Eric Woodyard? No, I mean that, that, it really that it's one of those trips. Like it is, it's once a lifetime for all of you to get yeah, to see yeah. you know your your dad and his sister, and then to knock off all those stadiums and go see the Hollywood sign, and now you got that whole Jimmy Kimmel story. <laughs> I mean, that's a hell of a trip. And and to top it all off, this is the key part. You know, our family's pretty close, but you know we have our moments where you know. We might get a little bit annoyed, but uh, we pulled off, you know, six nights sharing Airbnbs and and never had an issue whatsoever. So it was it was good that we pulled that off, too. Jared, you probably can't even imagine that, can you? <laughs> what a victory. <laughs> that, that's the biggest victory. <laughs> I think yeah. so. All right. Well, you heard my story. It's like I felt like I was in second grade show and tell again, but uh, the whole Jimmy Kimmel thing was awesome. But we're going to check in with Eric Woodyard right after this. Memorial Healthcare is proud and excited about the opening of their new $40 million Neurology Orthopedic Rehabilitation and Community Wellness Center. The 115,000 square foot facility will feature the first 3T MRI in the area. The three-story building will provide area residents a medically based wellness center featuring nutritional counseling and group fitness classes among other offerings. Memorial Healthcare's new facility will include locker rooms, private showers, steam rooms, a sauna, a lap pool, and a whole lot more, including a raised track for walking and running with views of the entire Memorial campus and surrounding area. Memorial Healthcare strives to bring healthcare and wellness together, servicing patients' needs from diagnosis to treatment to rehab and beyond. For more details, go online at memorialhealthcare.org or call 989-720-CARE. That's 989-720-2273. When a guy doesn't make it, like KT, it bothers me every day still. One day I was showing the staff his highlights from high school. Then we decided what's wrong, you know. Watching man, he was so talented. I definitely looked up to him as a kid growing up. We was in a layup line. Kay got up and dumped the ball at 10 years old. <laughs> it was on my radar when he was in eighth grade, honestly. Maybe seventh. Because as you remember, he was a man child even back then. He was birthed with that talent. That ain't nothing like you can just get taught. Great mid-range. I know I can do this. Defense. I know I can do that. I really honestly felt like nobody could stop me. I could do whatever I wanted every time. I didn't care if my daddy was out there. I was going to attack him. This kid is a donkey machine. I'm past this of being the best player in the state. I want everybody to know I'm the best player in the country. And that was my whole drive going into my senior year. Can't forget about his legacy because for the simple fact that what he did for the city of Flint. Calvin Sorber is definitely a legend in my book. He had everything there was to have, and things just sometimes don't work out. 
they don't see what's behind closed doors or what that kid is going through. Well, here we go. Talk about a trailer getting you fired up, man. That's, uh, <laughs> I'm super excited to uh, check the book out. So joining us now on the podcast is Eric Woodyard. Uh, he's joined us before on the podcast. He's he's uh, an insider, uh, the Detroit Lions beat reporter for ESPN. But what we're bringing him on for this time around is that right there, that book that he is the author of, All In, The Kelvin Torbert Story. It's available now on Amazon. So go ahead, go check it out, pick it up. And uh, you've got a book signing in Flint on April 9th, you told us. So definitely mm -hmm. look into that too. So first of all, Eric, thanks for joining us. And you said that you've been working on this project since 2014. How, yeah, how good yeah. does it feel to just have it ready to go and you know people actually reading it? I think it'll feel better once we actually had a book release party. You know what I mean? Because okay. like, that'll be like the time we can really celebrate it. Um, but yeah, man, we started way back then. I want to do something like I always like doing things outside of like my day to day. So at the time I was working at the Flint Journal and MLive.com. And uh, I, I wrote a, and I want to write a book. I want to do something about somebody from the community that like kind of reintroducing somebody. I mean, we got we got a lot of great legendary players to come out of Flint. But a guy like him, I think it was one of those moments where you had to kind of be there to understand like and his story kind of just like it, it, it lingered over the Michigan State program a lot, you know, just like with the younger guys like Miles Bridges and, you know, guys that were coming in, they were like, can Izzo coach five stars because of how what happened with KT? He could have went directly to the NBA at high school easily, you know, and he decided not to. And it was like one of the bigger mysteries of our community. And I watch a lot of these, you know, where are they now type things. And I just, I feel like that would be a great story to tell, but he's very close. Like KT can be real. Um, he's not super open, you know what I mean? So it took time for our relationship to develop to really get a lot of stuff out of them. And now we had a project where I feel like we're really touching on some stuff and it's not like just a, you're not going to read this and be like, this is a PR thing or you just telling all the highlights. No, we getting deep, we getting vulnerable. We touching on mental health, emotional, you know, dealing with trauma, what, you know, expectations people put on you from being a kid, you know, going through uh, uh, the end of a relationship after you've been with somebody nearly 20 years, you know, we get into parenting, you know, it's a lot of different themes and it's an African-American man, you know, so just navigating all that, being African-American, I think we're touching on some real themes. And I hope people, when they get done reading this, uh, they leave with a deeper understanding, not only him, but just a lot of young athletes uh, in, in, in situations like this. I've heard a lot about uh, Torber, honestly, only recently since we last talked to you. Uh, Matt laughs all the time about how he went to some game you know, back in 2001 and how it was sold out and he's never seen a high school basketball game like that. Uh, for people who are maybe my age, you know, I'm 23, who maybe don't fully grasp who Kevin Tolbert was, uh, can you maybe explain how big he was in high school uh, for people who may not know? Man, I mean, okay, now this is this is a fact, what I'm about to say. Obviously, he was older than LeBron. I think he was class of 01. LeBron was maybe class of 03. K Kevin Tolbert was ranked higher than LeBron James. Like, it's some, it's some rankings wow. that, that goes out from, like, you know, LeBron was in Ohio. He was in Michigan. KT was like the man, you know, McDonald's All-American, you know, like a uh, five-star recruit. Could have definitely been a straight-to-the-NBA guy. That was the year Kwame Brown and all those guys. This was basically what we had in Michigan. He was LeBron in Michigan, you know what I mean? Like, he was that big of a deal. But I think he was coming right after the Flintstones with a team and all those guys. And, you know, he just made a decision, like a hometown decision. And a lot of family you, – you, once you read the book, I can't go into everything, but you'll see what really went into the mindset behind it and, you know, just kind of building this guy and how do you navigate life once that don't work out? Like, we always hear about success stories and not saying that he's not a success now, but 
how do you navigate life when you on this extreme high, everybody kissing your butt, you know what I mean? And all right. these people, you know, there and then it, it goes away. How do you manage that? And it's like, that's what we hope to take away. And KT was just, like I said, he was one of the all-time greats of Michigan. You can't really, you know, you can't tell the story of high school basketball in Michigan without mentioning his name. You know, I've been broadcasting since 1985. This here's a cassette tape. I have uh, the broadcast of Owasso against his team in, in 2001. And I do remember the electricity in that gym. You know, Owasso had a pretty good team for our area, but everybody was there to see what he was all about. And from the opening warmups, it was just incredible electricity. And he put on a show in the warmups, put on a show in the game, and, and definitely was one of those phenomenal players and McDonald's All-American. You know, we don't want to tell any secrets in the book because we want our listeners to go out and buy the book but some of the things to touch upon uh i guess where'd the title come from all in i think that's where he's at in his life right now he's all in to succeed he's all in on happiness he's all in on healing trauma he's all in on being a father he's all in on all these things and we both feel that way we all in on life right now you know so i think that's where the title comes from all in like i'm not worried about what people say i'm all in to being a better person you know what i mean and this is liberating to tell my story no, that's definitely cool. And going back to that that 2001 game that Ted was talking about and that Jared talked about earlier, I've brought it up a few times. Being from Karana, the three of us, you know, when when Owasso was going up to play Flint Northwestern, Kelvin Torber and uh, Olu Famatimi, I know you definitely know about him. He went on to play at Arkansas. I mean, this was a big deal. This was a big deal. I went to watch two or three Northwestern games that year just to go watch Torber. I mean, that's how it was. I, I would say it's kind of like how kids recently, like Jared, or the last few years, went to watch Imani Bates. You would yeah. go watch this kid play because you don't know what this kid's about to be. And that's how it was with Torber. And that game, it's funny. One of my buddies played on that Owasso team, Eric Cameron. I knew everyone on that team, but one of my buddies, Eric Cameron, I asked him recently. I was like, uh, did you guard Torber? And he said, no, he was guarding Famatimi that whole game. But he said one time uh, Torbert was in the corner. I was at the elbow and Torbert started going baseline and I thought I had the angle on him. I went up to block him. He was like, Torbert basically went right through me and threw it down harder than I've ever seen someone throw a dunk down. So to Northwestern, the jump shot right side did no good by Famutini. It's on the floor and Kelvin Torbert with the ball. Double teamed in the right corner and the Wasso nearly comes away with it, but Torbert gets it. He drives it home. A two-hand jam this time. Ten for Torbert. So it's just stuff like that. And and he was a bigger than life personality almost. And one thing that I think about is we've talked about AAU on this podcast before and kind of what it's turned into, um, you know, obviously social media, YouTube, Twitter and all that kind of stuff. This was all like pre that. I mean, AAU was around, but it definitely wasn't what it is now. And definitely like the prep school thing wasn't what it is now. You know, you think about guys like Miles Bridges and Monty Bates and Kyle Kuzma and Devin Booker and all these other dudes who ended up going to different schools. Again, not not giving stories or uh, secrets away from the book, but did Kelvin talk about that? Like just how like different his experience was, even then LeBron. LeBron was only a couple years later and he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated and he's all over YouTube and SportsCenter and stuff. Did he touch on that? Just like how different his experience was versus kids now or even right after him? Even media attention, you know, it was different. You know I mean? Like, I mean, he didn't have a way to like, now kids can, they know their draft stock. You know, they know that before they enter the draft. I mean, at that time it was all speculation. You know what I mean? And that, that was a thing as well, you know what I mean? Like, just not knowing, you know, and feeling like I wasn't really prepared to be an NBA player. 
so yeah, you talk about that. I mean, just the way that the coverage was, and I was social media, you know. So you, you know, everything at that point, it was like yeah. word of mouth. Still, you know, it was like, like you say, the AAU scene was much different. He played AAU, but it wasn't like how it is necessarily now. Where guy, he would have been on ESPN easily. You know what I mean? Like his right. games would have been on there. You know, like you say, even just playing for his high school. I mean, kids rarely do that these days. Where, how rare is it to be the number one ranked player at your position or in the nation on certain? certain rankings and you still only playing for your high school. You know what I mean? He wasn't playing for a prep school or something. So right. it was just the time it was different, man. And Flint was just booming at that time. And, you know, I just, man, I hope people can, like games were being played at the IMA. They weren't even played at the high school. The IMA <laughs> back then was like, you know, that's, that was a big thing back then. And, you know, see thousands of people. And uh, it was, it was just like you said, he was a larger than life figure, man. I just, you know, I, I tried to, we tried to recapture a lot of that while also, like I say, dealing with some real issues. Uh, when you started this book, did you know that you were going to get into all the, the trauma and sort of his life out after basketball? Or when you started it, were you like, hey, this guy was a big uh, high school basketball crew. He had the crazy story, you know, great career at Michigan State. How, did you know it was going to kind of take the turn that it did? I did, man. I really didn't. You know, like in the process of this, he went through a lot of life and I went through a lot of life. You know, I went from Flint to Utah to Chicago, now back to Michigan. You know, I've been in stops. I've learned. I've become a better reporter. I learned how to get certain things out of them. So it's like we both had to experience this and go through this journey together to make something that we're proud of. And we want to draw people in with that trailer. You know what I mean? Like we put a lot yeah. into it. You know what I mean? A lot of people thought it was a documentary, but it's like we had to go and do something extreme to draw the people in, you know, to really get you to understand what this guy that we're telling you about and, you know, what he meant. And I think it's, it's just it's, it's more meaningful now, eight years later than it would have been had it come out, you know, when we initially thought. But we both fought for it, and we're just happy to get it out, man. We don't care. Like, we, we don't – I mean, the book sales are great. Obviously, we want to make money, but the story, really in the Flint community and just younger kids, period, we want them – I want to get a copy to Money Bates because he's kind of going through what KT's right. going through. He was the last – KT was the last national uh, Gatorade player of the year for Michigan. You know, Mighty Bates was just that. So, they – it's a lot of parallels there with their careers and stuff, and – those are the types of people that I want to read this story and take something away from it. You know, when, when KT was, you know, getting out of high school and, and getting recruited, was it a no brainer because, you know, the Flintstones had just won a national championship recently and he was going to Michigan state. Were there any other colleges that were real close to having him sign? Yeah, definitely. Uh, UConn and Cincinnati, you know, and, and maybe in hindsight, that might've been the best decision because there was more of a mm -hmm. running gun style, more playing his style, athletic in the air. You know, Izzo had this set, you know, kind of the half-court style. But I think he's right. at peace with playing at Michigan State. I can genuinely say this man is at – this man just just went to the state championships game. He still goes the, – the, 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 there's no animosity towards Izzo at all with him. And most people probably would feel that way. If I'm a teenager, I could have went to the NBA. I came here and I didn't go. They would probably be pissed at this man for life. And it's, I can legitimately say that, not just for the book purpose, that this man seriously has no – issues with Izzo when even Izzo says I can't sleep at night knowing because I you know KT was supposed to be that person so yeah man it's like um it's just it's been it's been a fun process to go through this it really has yeah did he talk about that a little bit uh like kind of that whole process like how how close was he again I know you can probably only say so much but how close was he to jump into the NBA because like you said I mean guys were back then that it kind of happened fairly regularly or like you said, was he more like hometown decision? I'm going to go play for Izzo, follow the Flintstones, and keep that legacy going. I think it was a little bit of both. You know, I just think just with the lack of media attention back then and not knowing, like, I, you couldn't talk to agents and stuff like that back then. 
he didn't really know his draft stock. You know, just being honest, he heard it, but it's a difference between knowing. You know what I mean? And right. He's still looking at Michigan State as like a it's still a good choice, like you say, coming off the heels of the Flintstones and everybody. And it just made sense at the time, but you know, he still had a decent career. It wasn't like he was a you know, oh yeah. Right. You you talk about the Flintstones. I mean, we grew up you know just twenty minutes from Flint, so we're very familiar with the history of Flint basketball. Uh, I mean, obviously a lot of schools are closed, and that's just across the whole state of Michigan, not only just Flint. But as somebody who's from there, do you? Would you say that the if we were to put together like a starting five of the best Flint players of all time to the best Detroit players, best uh, you know Grand Rapids players, do you think that the Flint uh, team is the best by far? I mean, I'm biased, so of course I'm, I'm gonna always say <laughs> I think we're so the too. Best, man. So. Me, and my, me and my friends argue about this literally. All, I'm in a group chat. We are, we argue about this all the time. So they always want to uh, talk about the five five and that. I say, well, we won it. So I mean, like it's yeah, we we actually won. Like Glenn Rice is a champion on all levels. Like. That's my trump card. Anytime they try to bring somebody out, like Glenn Rice has won on every level. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like legendary, legendary player. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm a little biased, but yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we can match up with anybody. Do you think that Tolbert is uh, the best player? I know he's second uh, in scoring from the Flint area behind Charlie Bell, but would you, in, in your opinion, do you think he's the best play, high school player to ever come high out school? of Flint? I mean, it's it, it's generational, man. Like a lot of the older right. guys from the city, they always say Eric Turner. Eric Turner never made it to the league, but he was he, he was he pretty was, good. You know, he had a he was he was great. You know, everybody always talk about <laughs> right. Eric Turner is like the standard of like any real Flint person that you talk to, they're gonna say Eric Turner. But for my generation, you know, after Eric Turner, you had Glenn Rice, you know, that you had that generation come with Jeff Gray and all those guys. And then obviously after that, you had like Kelvin Torbert and Jaquan Hart and all those guys. And KT was the most decorated out of them all because we never had, you know, people that won all the awards that he won. Then after that, you can go like, you know, the, the era of Monte Morris, and, you know, yep. Miles Bridges and all these guys now. So it's really generational. But if you ask me who was the best player I actually witnessed in high school, I would still say it's KT. You know, I saw Miles and stuff play and all that. Miles is great. But KT was just different in high school, in yeah. my opinion. And I feel like even in this era, he would be even greater. You know, Eric, you, you, you mentioned it a little bit, and this is not just your general basketball player book. I mean, Kelvin – uh, he went through a lot of trials and tribulations in his life I and mean, lost his parents at a young age. Uh, obviously, you know, the letdown from the college career to the pros, you know, and then the depression set in when you when you dove deep into his mindset. Ha- has he had a battle depression from a very young age? And, you know, how has he gotten out of it or is he out of it? I think uh, it can happen more so after he retired. And, you know, you try to figure out what's your identity outside of basketball, which is why I think it's important because a lot of people don't understand that. Like, you know, they don't they don't take care of their mental health. They don't do things like that, really address it. And I think, you know, from him, like he's been built his whole life to be this great athlete. You know, like instead of saying go play the video games, they would tell him, like, no, you can't eat ice cream. Like, you gonna, you don't need to be doing that. You need to go being out there hooping. You know what I mean? Like. Stuff like that can bother you as a kid, and it's bottled up. I don't think he was, like, depressed growing up. I think he was just focused. And I think it came to a head after he retired. You know what I mean? Like, after he retired from playing overseas, like, okay, what is my life? Seriously. You know what I mean? It's like, nah, I need to man up, and I need to tackle these issues. And I think uh, I think he's in a good space mentally right now. And I think this book is really uh, going to help him get a lot of stuff off his chest. Just from, like, I can tell you, just from walking around, we might hit a bar or something. Like, everybody got a story they wanted to share with him. You know what I mean? Like, it could be good. It could be bad. Somebody go. They gonna tell them the real too. Like, man, I thought you was gonna go to state and do this. Or somebody might come up and say, man, I remember you dunked on me at this high school. Like, I've witnessed both sides, and he keeps an even kill. 
you know, through on both, which me mentally, I probably couldn't. I'd be like, damn, like you really yeah. gonna just say this to my face, you know what I mean? Like, but I think uh, I think he's in a good space right now. No, oh, that's cool to hear. And I'm sure, honestly, I'm sure doing this book helped because you know yeah. sometimes you just gotta talk about it. You know, you right. gotta hey go go through it and, and talk about right. those things. Uh, I was going to ask real quick. So last time when we talked about you, you talked about some of the other things that you're doing in your career and, and some other, I guess, endeavors that you have going on. Um, and obviously we can tell through this conversation and our previous ones that you're, you're proud to be from Flint. Yeah. How big is that an aspect of the book too? talking about how big Flint basketball was back then? Because, I mean, we, we all know how it is. People who've never been to Michigan, never been to Flint. They only know the headlines. They only know the, the negative stuff about Flint. Is there an aspect of the book uh, that's trying to shed a brighter light, I guess, on Flint that like, yeah, back in the back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, Flint basketball was some of the best in, in the country. We don't go into like necessarily the historical factor, but I think we tell it through like how they built him up, like from playing pickup games with, you know, these players, like even the women, Deanna Nolan, you know, a lot of people don't know Deanna Nolan. She was voted the top 25 WNBA player all time. She won two championships with the Detroit Shocks. She's from Flint. You know what I mean? Like KT was like kind of like a mix of all of them. You know what I mean? He was like that a younger age right after them where he was able to still be the eighth grader scrimmaging them when they came back and playing in the pro-am leagues and, you know, stuff like that over the summer where a lot of the athletes would come. So he was kind of like the – the, the, the ripple effect of all that, that they put in. He was supposed to be the next one and take over. You know what I mean? So I think we, we, we hit on all that. We definitely do because they all poured into him. They really did. And they still do. Just like they pour in a – it's like a brotherhood. It's down there like a fraternity. You know what I mean? We all look out for each other. You know, Eric, you, you had mentioned that you conceived this idea all the way back to 2014. Uh, I'm always interested in the process, especially for writers. I mean, I can't say enough for people that – can sit down and put together a book or, you know, a, a series of articles, but what was the process? Did you, did you just line up uh, periodically sitting down with him with a tape recorder and just, mm. you know, just having a conversation? Did you write it all down? How, how what was yeah. the process? So the process is crazy, man. Like we, uh, before I sat with him, you know, I just, we, we, we thought about would this be something that he wanted to do. And I was like, Hey, let's write down like 10 or 11 bullet points of what, you want to address because he never really seriously told his story. You know what I mean? So like what's 10 or 11 things that define your life that you want to get off your chest. And we sat down and we crafted them. That was the start. So it gave us a direction of what we want to touch on. And I think, uh, you know, we just started meeting periodically, you know what I mean? Meeting and meeting. And sometimes we do it in Flint. Sometimes we do it in Lansing. We might go to Michigan state campus to do it, giving it a different look just to give him different emotions and feels and vibes. And mm -hmm. honestly, like even this, it was going on all the way until, late last year, you know what I mean? Like to where we got the last final interview and I'm like, okay, this is going to take it to the next level because he felt comfortable with me. You know what I mean? That takes time to develop that relationship. Uh, no matter what your job is, if you don't have a relationship with the person, they're not going to feel comfortable talking to you. So that was huge, man. I think uh, it actually brought us closer in the process. Uh, got one, one more right question. Y'all can check it out. Oh, there, yeah. it there it is. I love the cover. I do. It is cool. Uh, you, I have one, uh, just one more question from me. Um, I just imagine you as a little kid watching KT play. I mean, he had to have been a hero or an idol of yours of some sort. So what's it been like to kind of get to know him and basically become friends with him? What's that like? Man, it's definitely great, man, because he never – like, one thing about him, he never talked about basketball. He never, like, going to sit – you'll never get him reliving the past, like, if we just chilling or we have to pull that out. I'm like, man, what was you thinking when this happened? Or You know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah, it definitely been a fun right. process because, like I said, he was one of the – you know, he wasn't that much, like, super, super older than me, but he's older than me enough to where, like, I watched him as a kid. 
I was like 12 or something when he was like, you know, a senior in high school, like 18 mm-hmm. or something. So, yeah, it's definitely been fun just to see the evolution and probably him seeing the evolution of me too. You know, when I first started, I was at the Flint Journal to working my way all the way up to being an ESPN. So it's been a mutual thing, man, where we both, you know, it's just a legit question. I know he's back in, uh, involved in the community and, and back coaching too, right? Uh, He helped talk with his son a little bit here and there, but yeah. he worked for, uh, for – he actually worked with uh, – with a United Host United Wholesale Mortgage Company, um, so that Matt Isbia, the billionaire from Michigan State, oh yeah, is walking yeah. on to Michigan State. That's where he works at. So yeah, he's been back okay. in the community, back in the area, back in Michigan, and like I said, I think he's happy, man. He's in a happy spot right yeah. now. That's why I think he's so open and with telling the story. I know um, Marquise Gray. Uh, we actually my senior year at Corona, we played against Fleet, Flint Beecher. We did, we beat them, by the way. Uh, at Corona, but we played Marquise Gray, and he obviously a great player. Went to Michigan mm-hmm. State, had a good career, and all that kind of stuff. But I know he's back at Beecher yeah. coaching. Yeah, he coaching. Yeah, yeah. Does does Kelvin talk about that? Wanting to get back into coaching? Does he want to get back involved in the game, or is it kind of you know he, he's past that part of his yeah. life? I think he's just more so enjoying his son. His son's coming up yeah. on the scene, eighth grade, very athletic. You know, got a lot of talent. I think he's more so just enjoying that process of you know uh, seeing his son. And letting him create his own path because they like two different styles of player. KT was more like power, you know. KJ's son is more like finesse. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I think he probably he's probably trying to play it. like Steph Curry or something. No, I just like a chi- like just like you know what I'm saying. He ain't really just moving on his athleticism, not like how his dad yeah. was, but he more skilled than his dad. You know what I'm saying? He can hit floaters and threes and stuff like that. So yeah, man, I think he more. So I don't really, I don't really think he in the coaching mindset. You know, before we uh, sign off from this this interview and talk a little bit more about your book and how to get it. I got to throw a Detroit Lion question out, okay? I mean, <laughs> we know where they're sitting in the draft. We just saw the Michigan spring game where Colin Kaepernick was down there, you know, firing darts all over the field. Is it unrealistic the Lions uh, may make a run at him, as a, assign him as a backup to start I'm with? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, they just signed David David Blount, Tim Boyle. You know, they resigned their backups. And, uh, I don't know. Just for me – you know, what Jared Goff went through uh-huh. and just the mental, you know, just coming from there and what he went through, I personally think that probably would be a distraction. You know okay. I mean? That's yeah. just me. Because Jared Goff is already kind of like, I'm, I'm not going to say fragile, but like, like I mean, like, they trying to make him happy, like, and make him comfortable. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which is why I don't see them bringing in a, a quarterback, you know, at number two. But I could be wrong. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not Brad Holmes. That's just me from being right. around. I think that could be a big distraction on this team um, when they trying to make, Jared Goff comfortable. I think that's really who they they're giving him the keys to the offense again this year to kind of be that guy. So I, it just wouldn't it, for me. It seemed like it wouldn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. fair. Yeah, it would be interesting. Um, I wanted to bring up real quick. It, it's funny going back and looking at because I, I did start looking up highlights of Kelvin at Flint Northwestern and kind of like takes you back into those days or whatever. Ted talking about he's bringing bringing back his radio call of that game versus Owasso <laughs> and. <laughs> And, and, you know, we were talking about the pre-YouTube, pre-Twitter, all that kind of stuff. And it's funny to think about, like, if you wanted to watch highlights back then, unless it was LeBron James, you know, did show up on SportsCenter once in a while, you had to watch ABC 12. Like, you had to watch the local highlights. Or, like, if you wanted to read about it, you had to go to the M Live forums. I don't know. Jared probably doesn't really know what that is. But those M Live forums used to be <sighs> – I mean, that was that was like Twitter before Twitter. That stuff was just – out of control so it's just funny to go back to those days and uh and you know remember what it was like because now it almost seems like that was like so long ago but really wasn't that long ago wasn't that long ago but 
you know, talking about what this took eight years for you to write this book. I guess that, you know, the last thing that I've got for you, can you just talk about like the feeling of having it wrapped up and, you know, you, you held it up and you could tell how proud you are and we're definitely going to yeah. pick it up and give it a read and, you know, give us, give us the last, I guess, pitch for, you know, going out to, uh, it, to pick this book. Yeah, it up. just, it, it just feels like it's authentic, man. Like I said, I think yeah. anything I put my, my, my name on or he put his name on, I don't want this to be a PR. Like I, I read so many books and it's like, they only addressing every good thing that happened or they're skipping over the real stuff that we want to hear. And this is real and raw. And I really want, really these young athletes, man, they need to read this because like, it's going to be more Kelvin Torbers than it is going to be LeBron James or right. Miles yeah. Bridges. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is more of a real story, you know what I'm saying? Like, and uh, I think it's just it's, it's beneficial. It's it's real. It's raw. It's authentic. And uh, you know, I just hope everybody I hope everybody read it and you know get a deeper understanding of you know just uh, the mental side of, of 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 athletics as well. You know how that can take effect on people, and uh, just really, really, uh, really let kids enjoy, it, man. Let them have fun with yeah. sports. Sports shouldn't be pushed on people. I think it should be fun. We're going to talk about where you get the book, but uh, I got one final question before we do that, Eric. Uh, after this whole process has been done, was there one thing that stood out to you that, you know, surprised you, was intriguing in your conversations with Kelvin? I guess, like, man, it's humbleness. You know what I mean? Like, when you praise as much as he was, like, I don't think on the inside, internally, I don't think, like, the perception was different than the reality of his life. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Like, I had this big perception, like, he was just, like, Oh, this you know this KT, this is big strong dude dunking on everybody and like he was really chill you know with it like everybody else was doing all the talking it's like he was chill about it and I think you know that could translate into my life as well like you know what I'm saying like just be humble in the process like you got you can't really get too high or too low because it could be taken away at the drop of a dime and I think that's why he's been able to manage life because he didn't like read into his own press clippings and stuff like that you know he was he managed to stay himself. Well, that's a great trait to have for sure. And I'll tell you, we really enjoy talking with you. It's your second appearance here now and not a rookie with us anymore. <laughs> we definitely want all our listeners and viewers to pick up a copy of the book, All In, uh, the Kelvin Torbert story as told to our guest right there. Beautiful book. Uh, I know you have a, a signing and a book release party coming up at Comma Bookstore. Mm-hmm. Is, is that in Flint? Yes, downtown Flint, Michigan. Comma Bookstore to be april 9th if you guys can we have an after party as well but we'll be there from seven to nine signing books and we're gonna have a panel discussion um just awesome. kind of talking about the process and you know we just gonna have some fun come on just some positive some positive energy and uh just trying to kinda have some fun with this downtown flynn i love it man the bricks down there it's awesome I'll tell you what, it's going to be I, it's going to be a good read. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, if you can't make it to uh, the the release signing, uh, you can pick it up Amazon anywhere, right? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Yeah, you can check it out on Amazon.com. Well, we re- really appreciate the time here, uh, and we look forward to talking with you down the road, maybe a little bit more in depth uh, with the Lions as we get closer uh, to training camp and uh, hard knocks, baby. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. It's going to be a fun season. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Hope so. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. We have a great crowd made their way over from Old Town for this one, and there's a lot of fans from throughout the mid-Michigan area here, not only to check out the Trojans, but they're all here for one reason, let's be perfectly blunt. Kelvin Torbert, the six foot four senior McDonald's All-American, going to play at Michigan State. Another Flintstone on his way to play for Coach Tom Izzo. He's Flint's second all-time leading scorer behind Charlie Bell, and I'll tell you, just watching him in warm-ups, you can tell he is certainly the main man. 
So we're down to a minute 53 to go here in the first, 13 to 6, Northwestern. Bell Wasso throws it away. Creighton has his pocket pick. Trevor goes up. Last Thank you, man. Again, they're battling for it, but Northwestern comes away with it that time. Eric Price. Kelvin Torbert lays it up and in with a sweet move. Boy, wearing that number 23, he looked just like Michael Jordan flying from the free throw line. Here's Armstrong. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. There's something about your old time calls in the in these old school gyms, and I'm just like picturing it in my brain that transports me right back to you know the Breslin Center March Madness run. So it was awesome hearing that, and that would have been must have been a huge freaking game to do at the time. I mean, number one recruit in the country that just isn't your everyday game in uh, Shiawassee County. Absolutely not. I mean, and you know, the anticipation, everybody was there. Let's not let's not kid anybody. They were all there to watch Torbert, yeah. man. He had all the high McDonald All American Player of the Year nationwide, and he put on a show that night. The whole downer was at the end of that game. One of the Owasso kids broke his leg, uh, and it ended the game essentially. And there was only like a minute or man, two left. That sucks, man. I remember. Yeah, he. Uh, well, yeah. I, you you said to Eric when we talked to him, Owasso was actually good that year. Owasso, yeah. Owasso's team had they had a good team. They lost by thirty. To Flint Northwestern, but um, good for Owasso standards. Right. Well, they had yeah. a good little tournament run to get to the district championship. So hey, right. Um, but that, the kid, real quick, Jared, the kid that broke yeah. his leg, Josh Arnston. I was yeah. kind of buddies with him. I've stayed in touch a little bit, but you know, you grow apart. I, I'm pretty sure it took him like he broke that leg bad. It was it took him like two years to fully recover from that. It was a bad injury. It was one of those that like everyone heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Like it was, it was nasty. He probably never heard the end of that man yeah. going to college. Probably any Michigan State fan was probably shitting on him about it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all right, going on to uh, NCAA March Madness tournament. I'm just gonna say this right off the rip: best tournament I've ever seen, and wait. I tweeted this out that did not include a deep Michigan run. I really wait, thought wait, this tournament. Wait. You said, didn't you say the second weekend was the worst weekend? Yes, <laughs> but here's what makes a good tournament. Think about it. What what really matters? Opening weekend was incredible this year. We had a great Cinderella story, St. Peter's. We had a Final Four matchups. Like I said, Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen, nothing too crazy to write home about. But we had the Coach K storyline. We had an incredible, legendary game, Duke and North Carolina in the semifinal. We had a great championship game last night. I mean, this tournament had everything. And I, I got emotional watching that one shining moment, man. I always do. The best video on YouTube every single year is that damn video. And it just sort of clicked in my head. I'm like, yep, best tournament I've ever watched. And I don't think it's prisoner of the moment for me to say that. 2020 was a great tournament, but it didn't have fans. This had everything. Do you think that's part of it? That it was, you know, what, 20, 
20, we had no tournament. 2021, there right. was the no fans. So it's been a couple years since we've seen fans. You think that's part of it? I think it definitely played into it. I mean, it was, I was loving the shots of the, I forgot how sweet it is, the final four being set up in the football stadium. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> there's so many damn people watching that damn game. It's yeah. cool to see. No, but I don't know. Do you guys agree that, I mean, am I alone in that? I'd have like, to yes digest no. it a little. I'm sorry, yeah. Matt. I'd have to digest it a little bit. I always like to sleep on things and it's still so fresh. It, it You know, when you look at all the tournaments, there may be other ones that come close to this, but when you look at Coach K playing or coaching his final game, a, an epic semifinal against UNC, their hated rival, in the nightcap Saturday night leading to the championship game, and then it looks like it's going to be a complete blowout. North Carolina had everything rolling. Kenny Smith had that one locked away at <laughs> halftime. And oh like boy, a vendetta here comes Kenny Kansas. Smith or something? What's the <laughs> Kenny Smith vendetta? It's not a vendetta. I was watching it live at halftime, and he pretty much said the only way Carolina can lose this game is if they turn the ball over. Well, they turned the ball over a little bit, but Kansas took it to them. Yeah. And it was a tremendous comeback, tremendous second half. Yeah, Kansas is really good. I, the championship game, um, I don't know. Like It was super – it was pretty exciting. Obviously, it came down like the, some crazy plays at the end. Uh, North Carolina had a chance to tie it a couple times right at the end of the game. Uh, but it was one of those that like, yeah, it would have been cool if North Carolina won, but Kansas was definitely the better team. And I, you know, I think they, they showed it in that second half, the wild thing that to me, and I'm not trying to be like Debbie Downer on this whole thing, but Kansas has like, this thing's going to be vacated at some point. Right. Like, what is the, I saw you I'm tweet sure, that. I'm not, I'm not fully up to date on what these sanctions even are. What is going on? I don't think anyone is fully up to date on what actually came of it because it's been like, it was like two, two or three years ago. I think it was pre COVID. They got caught five level one violations with they're sponsored by Adidas that they were basically like um, abusing their, uh, their relationship with Adidas, like giving stuff away to recruits and just like basically, I mean, five level one violations, all that have to do with their sponsor. I don't know. It'd probably be like if Michigan just started giving Jordan swag to everyone and just like giving yeah. it away and be like, here, 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 here. Um, but like, and I even looked it up a couple times and there's not really a resolution. Like it kind of just came to like Kansas, like, you know, fought it and it's just kind of at a standstill kind of, I think so it's just kind of, it's wild. It's just kind of crazy. I think what happened was they realized, man, Adidas sucks. Like, do these kids <laughs> right. even get anything from getting this gear? I mean, if we're being honest, the fact right. that that Kansas is not like Jordan brand or Nike is maybe the biggest misfire of their entire program. They probably have three more national ch- championships if they if they were a Jordan or a Nike team. So I think that's yeah. probably that's the conclusion I would have came to. Oh, it's Adidas yeah. gear. No one even wants that. Look, oh, this is, this was given to me. Adidas gear. I was gonna say you got Adidas right there. Yeah, but fill me in a little bit. Isn't isn't Adidas still one of the top three? It's not 1980 anymore, man. Right. (laughs) That's the thing. I used to love Adidas. And actually, like, I like their shoes still. Uh But it is, as far as the cool aspect, I mean, you you see Jared's reaction right there. Yeah. Adidas is definitely down four or five notches than it was, you know, in the 80s or 90s. But I don't know. Maybe nothing will come of it. It is kind of crazy what their fourth title in, in program history. Bill Self has a couple. And it's funny, like, we were talking on the last podcast about if slash when coach K loses kind of who takes over Jared, you were all in on Jay, Wright, And I think that's definitely fair and valid, but like 
Bill Self has to be right there, right? Even though he's gotten caught cheating or whatever, but who hasn't, I guess, at this point. But Bill Self has to be right up there with Jay Wright, right? With Coach Cal, even Izzo and some other guys. I mean, has to be. I love Bill Self, man. He's he's so underrated. No one ever talks about him because he's just not in your face about it. You know, he just does his job, goes home. Like I said, I can't say that he cheated because it hasn't been proven that he has. So I'm just going to assume and and. Compared to most college coaches, that's better than what you could say about them. So right. you know, I love Bill Self. Like you said, that's exactly what everybody should be taking away from this championship game is this is Bill Self's uh, college basketball division. And Jay Wright's right, right up there with him. But I don't know anyone else that I would throw up with those two guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes down. I mean, you know, Juwan Howard's still young in the coaching game, but he has an opportunity to put up uh, – uh, some big numbers in the next five or 10 years there at, at down in Ann Arbor as well. But uh, Bill Self and, like you said, Jay Wright, probably the cream of the crop right now for sure, and they're all chasing them. Uh, was a great you... tournament. was a great uh, one shining moment, as always. I mean, you, you know, those three weeks, I mean, you might, we might as well just change the month, right? We'll go right <laughs> from February to March Madness and then April. I mean, right. they should just add the madness to the end of it. Love yeah. it. that good. No, one shining moment would be one of those things as doing, I guess, what Jared and I do. That would be like, if you got assigned oh, yeah. to that, that'd be the coolest thing. I'd be curious if multiple people work on it or if they give it to one person and say, hey, this is your thing. Build it throughout. Have it ready to go where all you have to do is plug in the championship game and then it's ready to go. You know, yeah. I'd be curious what the process yeah, I, is. Yeah, you took the words right about that. I mean, that has to be like the pinnacle of sports like video editing right yeah. I, what else would you even put up there that's well, what's your guess what's what's your guess for something I that critical? what else you would even say you uh, think maybe like a, a single super bowl guy or, like or, open or something something of the super bowl that's but there's nothing in particular that is a video that everyone waits for every single right. year and there's no other video like that in sports right mm-hmm. my my guess would be it's one person like maybe there's multiple people helping out that yeah, one person. Right. Hey, I found this video of Michigan in the locker room. Hey, I found this video right. of blah, blah, blah. But there's one like editor doing the whole thing. So, you know, there's continuity because there's, there's one, I don't know if you've run into this yet, Jared, but there's one thing that's like probably the most annoying doing this is like, if you have to take over a project for someone who's already started it, mm-hmm. because like everyone has different visions and different workflows and maybe they edit differently. And all of a sudden, if you have to take over for a project halfway through, it's almost like you may as well just start over. So yeah. my, my guess would be it's probably the same editor who's just building it throughout. Probably nowadays scouring Twitter for all the cool locker room video, all the cool fans, you know, all that kind of stuff. And immediately remember after Michigan beat Tennessee and John Howard embraced the, uh, the Tennessee player, like we said, that that probably right when he saw that, he clipped that, yeah. put that right on the timeline, put it, it right made in it. there. It made so, it. I um, I, if I was cutting that video, the only part I'd want to do is that very first. But I just cut it the few different shots to that drum beat. I mean, it's the best start to any song ever. So. I've said before, like the funny thing to do too, if you were editing that, when it says the ball is tipped, you don't tip. show, don't yeah. show a tip show like someone dunking the ball or something. It would throw everyone off. Because that's no, what you they have show. To, that's, a, that's, that's the same shot every year. And it's every perfect. year. <laughs> Gotta have it, man. Yeah. Can't but no, it was a good tournament. And obviously, like you said, the uh like without Michigan or Michigan State making a run, it was it was a really good tournament. But are we at this point where, you know, one of our most loyal 
uh, fans on Twitter, Miggy Incognito, Mm -hmm. he pointed out that Big 12 was basically running college basketball, right? So are we like, is Big 12 the best college basketball conference? Are we still saying it's the Big 10 or ACC is kind of falling back? They got, you know, obviously Duke and UNC, but it's hard not to say the Big 12, right? It's hard to argue their tournament success. Yeah, they've had a good run. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say they're like the premier college basketball conference. I just think it's that Baylor team, arguably the best team I've seen in like 10 years. They were damn good, but I don't see them staying like, I mean, they kept it going this year a little bit, but I don't see them being like a perennial final four team from now on, even though I think coach Drew is a great coach, but no, interesting stat, but I don't put too much behind it. I think it just was a couple of really good teams that came through. Yeah. It is still wild that it's been 22 years (laughs) since the big 10 has won a national title. Yeah. It's a joke. We suck. There's no other way to put it. It's it, it, they keep putting like ten Big Ten teams in the tournament every year. If I was in that boardroom, I would be like, "We got to cut this list down to five, and yeah. then we'll see what happens." Because it's we keep getting all these teams in, they never do anything. Right? You think there's part of it with uh, I don't know the TV money. I, I always think it comes to greed somehow with yep. the Big Ten. You know, it's a great TV market, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you're like, you, you do. I really think Michigan deserved to be in over a team like, like, you know, there's teams like St. Peter's that didn't get right. in this year that were on the bubble. I, I, I think give a few of those spots from the Big Ten, give them away. And I understand Michigan made their long run. Michigan's the only team that shows up in the Big Ten tournament or in the tournament every single year from the Big Ten. So right. they're an outlier. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, a couple other quick stories out of the, out of the Big Ten, ironically enough. I mean, the whole, uh, Dane Fife situation down in Indiana. I guess that didn't work out so well for him going down there. I don't know if he had go, leaving Michigan State and that security, going down to Indiana to be an assistant, if he was promised that he was going to get the head coaching job or something. But whatever it was, uh, he was run out, and now he's looking for work. I think he probably deserves to have a head coaching job somewhere, whether it's in the MAC or wherever. And, and speaking of that, you know, Izzo lost his assistant at – a lot of people thought was going to take over and, and take over the MSU program. And now to me, it seems like, and I don't know what you guys think, but I think Drew Valentine is probably the heir apparent, you know, getting some experience in Chicago, come back home when Izzo says it's time to go, maybe they won't go the assistant route and they'll just shift to the hometown kid. I don't understand those, this love behind Drew Valentine. I like him. He was at uh, the Breslin Center Friday night when Freeland yeah. was playing. So I yeah. was able to walk right by him. Um, I don't understand what why people are so like gung ho about this guy already. He took over Loyola, maybe the best mid major program that there is outside of like Gonzaga, and didn't improve on it really. I mean, it's a it's a not a very good conference. They made the rolled through the conference, made the tournament, and lost. I, yeah. Why is like he? Well, how was he all of a sudden like getting catapulted to the Michigan State job? If anything, give him three years. Let's see where this program is at when he gets his guys in, and not Porter Mojer's whole culture behind them. We'll right. see what he's at in three years. So well, I'm crowning I, him as the next like heir apparent to Izzo already. Well, I, I agree with what you're saying, but it seems like he's in position after those two or three years and Izzo gets out, he might have enough on his resume at that point. Maybe, yeah. yeah well, I, time will tell. I like him. I just don't understand this like obsession with him all of a sudden. Yeah. It's obviously his brother, too. It's it's the connection to the Michigan yeah. State program. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that plays in. I wonder if the, the assistant, what's his last name, Stevens, who went to Western yeah, Michigan? Wayne Stevens. Do you think maybe he went there to get some head coaching experience? So they could, I wonder if they almost said that, like, Hey man, go, go take this Western job. 
get get your feet wet being a head coach and you know whatever in four or five years when Izzo hangs him up, we'll we'll see where you're at. I'm not convinced won- Izzo. I'm not convinced Izzo's hanging it up in four or five years. Yeah, Why is this yeah. guy not going to have ten more years under his belt? That's the reason I think the coach left. Just probably said there's no end in sight to Izzo. I'm getting. Uh, I'm getting yeah, paid maybe. now. How old? Yeah. How old is it, Izzo? I know you got to know, Ted. He's he's got to be 66, 67, somewhere there. I'm thinking 66. And but you know Stevens isn't a 67. young puppy anymore. How old is he? 67. Okay. Stevens isn't that young. And the reason I threw Valentine's name in there mainly was he's a younger guy. I mean, like we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, sometimes you have to hand things off to the younger generation. You don't always have to go to this loyal assistant that's been on your staff for 30 years. Right. You know, North Carolina did that at one time. I have a feeling, though, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, I I looked it up quickly. What what would you guys' guess be on Coach K, how old he is? 75. 69. Yeah. 75. That's just 75. 75. I mean, he's looking good. He definitely shoe polishes the hair, but I mean, he looks good. (laughs) But you you mentioned, Jared, 10 more years of Izzo, 67 to 75. So maybe he will be coaching another seven, Uh, eight years. If I had to guess, I would guess six to eight more years. Okay. Might be right. Yeah. I'd be curious though if, if, if Izzo, you know, as much as he is connected and Michigan State University is Tom Izzo, if he will go, uh, the Coach K route and have an assistant, you know how um, Shire is going to coach take over Duke, who's basically like a trusted. He's basically like a a pawn of Coach K. Yeah, I wonder if Izzo's going to do the same thing, and maybe some of these other guys didn't want to do that, sit around for another six years and then just take over for Izzo. You know, I, I'd be curious. That that's going to be that's going to be wild when when he does finally hang it up to see what Michigan State basketball does because that's. Do we we have the opportunity to send him into uh to to do what North Carolina did to um Coach K. So hey, I'm I'm ex- I'm already licking my chops about that one. Yeah. Well, Izzo is gonna be he's is gonna name his replacement, right? I mean, that's a oh, given. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of fought back with Coach K, so I I'm not so sure. I don't know, yeah. but they they ended up giving up to him and letting him uh you know name his successor. But I'm not so sure about it. Right. Yeah. yeah well, we'll I know Heathcote Heathcote fought for Izzo. You know, so we'll see what happens. And yep. There was a lot of controversy when Izzo got that job. You guys, I'm Jared. Obviously, you don't remember. No. I don't know if you do, man. Don't know that. But a little bit. A lot of controversy, and uh, it paid off. It paid it's off a, well. It's worked out pretty well. And <laughs> yeah. uh, I know, I know that we're kind of talking about the, the March Madness and moving into April is this week. Obviously, the Masters. Jared, this is right out your your bread and butter. I know you. We all love the Masters, but I know you really pay attention to the Love betting it. odds and everything. I did see someone tweeted out some of the betting odds and Tiger Woods has just been bouncing up and down, even got locked at one point because it was like, is he playing? Is he not game time decision? And now he's playing. And I don't know about you guys, man. I, I mean, I, I always admit I'm, I'm a casual golf fan. I really do enjoy golf, but I don't watch every tournament every weekend type of thing. There's some, I, I think it's maybe because Tiger Woods is kind of the reason I got into golf. You know, I was young when he came, when he broke onto the scene. And so I truly, I know you do too, Ted, but I truly remember what it was like when Tiger Woods busted onto the scene. I could watch him play no matter what the tournament is. I don't care if he's on one leg, but like seeing that the picture of him in the practice round at, at the Masters and on both sides, it's just like eight, eight deep just surrounding him it's just like it's incredible and i mean i think we've talked about it 
and Ted, you would definitely know you've been around longer than Jared and I, but I don't, I truly, I, I texted, we were texting some buddies about it. I was like, I would, I would put every penny that I make the rest of my life that there will never be anything in any sport like Tiger Woods when he's on the golf course. I don't care if it's Michael Jordan in his prime, even LeBron, as big as LeBron has been, you know, as big as like even soccer gets like Ronaldo, Messi, stuff like that. There's never been and never will be anything like Tiger Woods when he says he's going to play a, a tournament. No, it's insane. And what a what a boost to this tournament! Him jumping in at the last second. I mean, you don't need to get me any more excited than I already am for the Masters. But like you said, something's different when he's uh, in contention. And my favorite quote that he's always said was, "He only ever plays in a tournament if he thinks he can win." So he's yeah. he's coming for the gold and. I can't wait, man. It's it's the perfect come down from March Madness. It's the perfect uh, follow-up event. So just get your popcorn ready, fellas, and just sit in front of the couch, Ted. I know you'll be watching it. Thursday, uh, Friday. Man, whenever you have time off, get get in front of the couch and start watching this damn tournament. It's magnificent. That's got to be next on your uh, bucket list trip, Ted. Make it down to Augusta. I'd love to. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in the lottery every year, but I, I struck out this time. But as soon as it opens up again, I'll sign up for it. it I, we've talked about it before, but, you know, it's almost impossible to get in to go actually watch any of the real rounds. But the prices of the concessions are, real, are ridiculously yeah. low. <laughs> love it's it. Incredible. But let me ask you guys this. You know, we're talking about the Masters and it's April um, and Tiger's going to win. Would this be the greatest all-time story? We thought 2019 was amazing, you know, coming off all his scandals and everything else and winning the Masters. But now with one leg to pull it off no. this year? No. Not bigger than – I don't think it's bigger than 2019. No? That was like 10 years in the making. This True. is – you know, a few years ago we already kind of had our – what we thought was going to be the last sort of like uh, – major championship for Tiger Woods. So it will be big. It would be an awesome story. Believe me, I'm going to be rooting for it as much as anyone else is, but I don't think it can top 2019. Now you're a resident bookmaker. What are you thinking? Can he, can he win it? Who am I to tell Tiger Woods he can't win? If he thinks he can win, he can win. Uh, it all, Especially it all there. comes down to his yeah. driver, which is always the biggest thing at Augusta, yeah. uh, is being able to hit your driver well. And that's always been sort of his Achilles heel in the last like back, back stretch of his career. So it's going to come down to off the tee. Mm-hmm. It's, it, if there was any other course, I'd probably be like, man, there's no way. But I think if there's someone who knows that course better than anyone, it's him. And that's probably why he's going to give it a go this weekend. The big thing, I hope he – makes the cut and you know it, i mean obviously it'd be incredible if he's in contention on sunday but mm. it would it would suck if he was like plus 22 missed the cut or something like that yeah. you know but yeah i, I don't think, think that'll i think he, i think he's gonna make the cut if i had to make an official prediction on tiger woods he's gonna make the cut saturday he's gonna have a moment where it's kind of like do or die you know maybe he's starting to put a couple of birdies together um but I think by by Sunday, he'll be, you know, 20th place, kind of out of contention. But I think for a moment, like maybe an hour on Saturday, he's going to be within a stroke or two of the lead. That'll be incredible. Cool. Well, back to what you said at the beginning, Matt. I've been around a long time. I have never seen anything like Tiger Mania and Tiger Woods. Will somebody ever pass him? Who knows? We don't know what the future holds for us. But up to this point, no way. It's, it's number one, without a doubt. Yeah. Yep. You know, we're also in April, and that means uh, opening day in baseball april in the d april in the d and uh tigers we got some excitement on this team you know they made a nice trade getting austin meadows you know not the best batting average last year but he had 27 homers 106 rbis 
he's going to be pretty solid on that team to go with what else they got going on. This could be a fun team to watch. Oh, this year. it's going to be a fun team. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, we just got to throw this out. I know it's probably old news at this point, but what a story it was uh, for how they uh, told Spencer Torkelson that he made the opening day lineup. Mm. Comes into Alibi, or uh, AJ Hinge's office uh, under the guise that he's going to get some infielding tips from him and Miguel Cabrera only to have Miguel Cabrera symbolically hand him over the first baseman's bit. I mean, awesome. Just awesome. Uh, I think it's going to be a great year. A lot of buzz uh, around here and obviously a lot of buzz around Detroit in general around this team. I I can't wait. Matt, I know you still don't have your uh, opening day subscription to watch the Tigers. You got to get that figured out, man. No, I'm I'm signing up again. There you go. Yeah, they've got me back in. I just – I don't feel bad. Like I've talked to some buddies who – Jared, you know all about this. They just they just go on Reddit and find links to you know basically illegally stream games. And I, there's just a side to me. Maybe it's because yeah, you know, I don't know. I work in the business. You're or in something. the biz. I, I feel bad illegally streaming games. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna pay for this. I can watch it on my phone. I can watch it on my TV. I can watch it wherever I go. I can watch it when I'm at work because you know we're, we're not um, always bringing in Tigers games or whatever at work, but. Um, no, this team has it all. The, I think the offense, obviously, you're 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 hoping that Torkelson actually makes the next step. What are you going to get out of Miggy? I don't know. Hopefully, maybe when he's full time DH, he can stay healthy a little better. Bias. Hopefully, he doesn't strike out 150 times like he has been. And you know, some some of these other guys that can just be solid. The big thing to me is the pitching. Hopefully, pitching. yeah. Hopefully, either Scooble, uh, Matt Manning, or Casey Mize take that like next step. You know, yeah. like you remember Verlander early in his year was earlier in his career was good. And then he became Justin Verlander. They need someone to do that because the pitching staff is looks like it could be good, but they need someone to like take over and win 20 games. And I think that's going to be the big thing. And then obviously the bullpen that's been the Tigers for the last 30 years trying to figure out the bullpen. But the excitement is there for sure. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun down there. Uh, switching topics again quickly here before we wrap up things. Uh, big uh, Michigan inter squad game, Colin Kaepernick. You know, I did ask uh, our guest about that. <laughs> I, I just want to throw this out there. This is my thought. Okay. I don't know why they wouldn't bring a guy like that in to be the backup. You know, I, there's no expectations that he'd beat out Jared Goff. You got to be kidding me. If Goff is worried about Kaepernick, who's been out of the league for how long? Bring him in as a solid backup. He's already better than the two they got. Can you? We need to like have an intervention. What is your obsession with the backup quarterback position? It is meaningless. <laughs> and I agreed with Woodyard on this. Why bring him in to bench to put him? If you're bringing him into your team, you're going under the assumption that this guy's going to be your starting quarterback. Why else would you bring in this distraction? All the media, all the coverage, all the pressure immediately on Jared Goff's back that he has this guy who's you know he's at some point going to get a chance. There's no way you bring Colin Kaepernick and never give him game reps. So it's just pointless to me. No, I, I I don't agree, obviously, with the fact that Colin Kaepernick has not had another shot in the NFL. He should have had a shot seven years ago or whatever when his last snap was taken. But it's it just doesn't make any sense to me for an NFL team to do it, especially under the assumption that it's just as a backup quarterback. There's yeah. no reason. Well, don't you think an NFL team, though, should have a good quality backup? I mean, whether it be a rookie Half the that's going to take a, over We don't down even have a solid road. starting quarterback. We I mean, can get a starting quarterback first. Are they ever going to do anything? Backup. We have we have a solid backup quarterback. He's just our starting quarterback, so oh, kind of sucks. Yeah, right. <laughs> but when you definitely when you see David Blau and Tim Boyle, who I'm not taking shots at, they're professional athletes. 
being the backup quarterbacks, it's like, how is Colin Kaepernick not getting a shot? Right. There's clearly other stuff in play. I do like, like Jared said, I, I agree with Eric. I just don't know if it's like right for the lions. The, the situation for me, if Kaepernick got, got a job would be somewhere where it's not a Jared Goff that he could take the job from, from go, go to Den, go to Denver and back up Russell Wilson, where Russell Wilson is the guy. Right. You're the backup in case Wilson gets hurt or, you know, Go be to to the Ravens and back up Lamar Jackson, where Lamar Jackson is the guy. You're not a distraction because you're not taking the job from Lamar Jackson. But if he gets hurt, then yeah, like you said, Ted, you've got a quality backup. That that would be the situation yeah. to me. He would. I, I almost feel like he would mess with Golf, kind of what Eric said, because Golf would be like looking it, over his shoulder all the time. You know, they would. Be, it would be horrible for both. I, I, I tell you, that is the perfect way for this story to play out. Like you said, take back up for a star quarterback. Star quarterback gets her like fourth quarter playoff game or something. He comes in like we'd all be tuned in to watch that, but yep. it's just not gonna happen. It's, it's stupid. I, I do. I wouldn't hate it if the Lions brought him in and just said, you know, this open quarterback competition. Like Jared Goff, you got to beat him out, and then if he beats him out, you just cut him. Um, that that I wouldn't hate, but just bringing him in to basically just say, hey, like you're gonna be a quarterback mentor to Jared Goff or something. I, I just don't see it. I don't yeah. understand it. That's fair. You know, and on, a, on, a, on a different tangent, on the plane ride home, I watched the Kurt Warner story, the American oh, Underdog. God. It was actually pretty good. It wasn't really? bad. The guy that, the guy <laughs> that played him, I'm, I'm telling you, the guy that played him, he had him down. He had him down. It was okay. You've heard it was terrible? The only that's what I've heard. I, that's what I've heard. It was the only worth a movie I've on a seen. plane. Yeah, the only clips I've seen, it's tough. Football movies are tough to make look realistic. Like the program and Friday Night Lights, and th- there are some others that made football look pretty real. The clips I've seen, that the football in that movie looked so fake. And then watching him throw, I was like, have you ever thrown a football in your life? How are you, like, playing the Kurt Warner story? It, so Yeah, there was some creative editing on that. It, they showed him starting to throw, and then you could see Warner's real arm snuck <laughs> oh in there. But throw that part out. It was a feel-good story. Let's put it that way. It was a family movie. It wasn't bad. And and like I said, I think Zachary Levi is the guy that played him. He had him down. He had him down. It was well done. Nice. And like you said, when you're on a plane, yeah, sit back and watch it. Knock it out. Amen. So anything else we need to get into, boys, before we wrap this thing up? No, I I think we covered it all. A little bit of everything on today's pod. Yep. And everybody got to hear the true Jimmy Kimmel story. As soon as I get the photos, we'll we'll post it on social media. Say, right? We need those photos. <laughs> All right, let's call it a pod, fellas. Don't forget out there, follow us at Three Point Pod. Also, let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the program. They include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Memorial Healthcare, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, The Wash of Owasso, the ALS Association of Michigan, and Z925. The castle. Speaking of rivals, I mean, we had some winners. We had another uh, great turnout on our bracket contest, and uh, we've notified all the uh, the four winners, and hopefully they enjoyed it. And I know uh, we enjoyed putting it on once again with our friends over at Rivals, named Chiawassee County's favorite uh, sport bar. Right? Awesome. awesome. And awesome. yeah, I mean, maybe we're a little biased, but I, it's it's a great spot to watch sports. I mean, we say it all the time. A lot of space, a lot of TVs, food, drinks are good. Yeah, it's really a great spot to go catch some games. Absolutely, and you don't even have to go watch games. You want to just go for a nice meal and drinks, 
great spot to go. Their yep. food is outstanding. The service staff also good. Also, thanks again to Eric Woodyard for hopping on and uh, helping us with this podcast. Make sure you pick up a copy of All In, the Kelvin Torbert story. Get one for yourself or pick up a few copies. Great gifts to give away at birthdays and uh, Christmas. And don't forget the big book release party and signing at Comma Bookstore downtown Flint this Saturday. They're on the bricks, April 9th, 7 to 9 p.m. I got a feeling that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, there may be a few other celebrities there also rubbing shoulders. So I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see maybe some MSU uh, former teammates, maybe some coaches over there for the, the big book signing. I don't think I'm going uh, yeah, too far on a limb for that. No, yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if at least some people didn't show up in, in support. So, yeah, yeah I'll, be, I'll be curious to see how that comes out. It'll be a who's who of, of legends in Flint basketball, that's for sure. Oh, man. And there have been some legends, no doubt about it. All right. Well, we appreciate Eric's time. And until next time, to everybody out there, so long, everybody, and bye for now. Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan Chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Three Point Podcast is a Sportsnet Michigan Three Point Podcast production. Subscribe and share on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of your favorite podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to Three Point Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.